0: Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series called Transformed, Not Conformed. In this series, we want to learn to be transformed to the way of Jesus rather than conform to the patterns of this world. Thanks for joining us. Well, on any given Sunday, I'm either wearing contacts or glasses, like today. And uh, the reason I'm wearing these is because my optometrist tells me I have myopia. It means I'm nearsighted. It means I can see up close fine, but if I take these off, not so good. I can't really make out most of you. So I wear these uh, to deal with myopia, and it gives me better vision. And I don't know about you, but I not only need that physically, I need that spiritually. There are times that I am so caught up with what's close to me that I do not see what seems far away from me. And what jesus does in the passage we're going to look at today is address our spiritual myopia by giving us new minds to think about how to look at life differently and so if you would if you'd open your bibles to matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21 matthew is in the last fourth of the bible matthew mark luke john we're going to look at chapter 6 verses 19 through 21 if you want to turn to that page in a black Bible on the seat rack near you, if you pull that out and turn to page 787, you can find the text we're going to look at today, these three verses, Matthew 16:19 through 21. While you're turning there, just to review where we've been, we started this year and ended last year and started this year with a series called Transformed, Not Conformed. And the reason we started this way is because we realized that if we're going to be growing Christians, we're going to be swimming against the flow. It's so much easier to be conformed, influenced, shaped by this world than be transformed by Jesus. It's not without a fight. It's not without a battle. And so Romans 12:2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't follow the patterns of this world and the world's value system so much. Follow what Jesus says. Let him influence and shape your life. So if you're following along, here's the first thing I want you to see today is that Jesus had a vision for what you and I could be. And Jesus' vision is that we'd be salt and light in the world with him. That we'd be salt and light, that we would have a preserving effect, that we would bring light into dark places and that we would be, again, part of his redemptive work in the world. And that's his vision for us. But it's so easy to all of a sudden just blend in and instead of be caught up with that, just think about how we can just live this life in this world as if it's all there is. And so again, we think about this, that's, that's some of his vision for us. But as we learned last week, that vision gets spelled out very specifically in different ways. Last week, Steve helped us see that God has made us stewards. That means that everything we have belongs to him and that he's entrusted money and possessions, gifts and talents, time and all kinds of things to us. And how we steward those, in other words, how we manage those on his behalf is an incredible privilege and an incredible responsibility at the same time. And so he talked about the fact that oftentimes as Christians, we try and split this idea of how we handle money and how we follow Jesus. And we think those are two separate things. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's one of the most important ways that I help you grow spiritually is in teaching you how to manage money wisely, all of it. And so as we think about this today, if you're following along, he came to transform the way we think of and manage money. He came to transform the way we think of and manage money. We saw that the first two weeks of this series, he came to transform the way that we live the healthy rhythms in life, where he is the center of our life. The next two weeks we saw how he's come to transform the way we relate to other people both close to us and people we don't know so well people that are different from us and then these last two weeks we've seen that he's come to transform the way we handle money now if you ask me as i look back over the last 30 some years of being a pastor what are some things that i have no regrets about as far as my leadership or my investment in other people i would tell you That one of my greatest joys has been that since 1997 we have taught on wise money management almost every year and the reason why is because this is such an important need in our community this last week we heard a consultant tell us that of the top five concerns in our community two of them have to do with money long-term financial security, and also daily money worries. It's on people's minds all the time. The question is, is the church offering any ways to get better at that and wiser? So we're going to be offering Financial Peace University again. You can read about that in the bulletin. I think you can sign up at the Ministry Center desk later today if that's a step that would help you. Also, uh, we've taught on this a number of times. If you're interested in knowing and coming up with a plan so you can get on the right side and begin to grow and just know the joy that comes from growing in that character development, then I just suggest going maybe to our archives in 2013 and listening to January 20th message. We talk about a plan in that message, January 20th, 2013. But here's one more before I go any further. Here's a book that I've watched change a number of people in our our church. This is the old copy before it just got updated, and revised, it's a lighter color. And then now it looks like this, it's an orange color. It's called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. And if you're not able to read, but you like watching short video teaching videos, then I can recommend this to you. Right Now Media is the subscription that we've offered to every person in our church. And if you go to Right Now Media and you sign in, then if you search Randy Alcorn, you'll see that there's several different teachings that are available. If you click the orange treasure principle icon, it'll give you four sessions that last about 16 or 17 minutes. This is one of the most influential books I have ever read, and it's a little one, so it's doable. But again, I would just recommend these things to you. Now, let me at least say this. Why do we need this message? I was thinking about this this morning. When I was a little boy, I went to uh, Sunday school, my parents took me, and we had a retired missionary, I I still think of her, her name was Fern Rold, and she had come back, she had given her whole life before she uh, got into her 70s or so, and she came back to the United States and was part of our church, and she came to our children's class one day and told a story of how a witch doctor had blinded a child by subscribing a certain thing to do with peppers and everything in their eyes. And I remember just getting so disturbed about that story. Then she said, but you know what? In this country, there are missionaries that are teaching people that Jesus cares about them more than witch doctors do. And if you give to help those missionaries tell the good news, people's lives can be changed forever. And I came home and those days, my allowance was 25 cents a week. And I remember asking my parents, could I have four week advance on my allowance so that I could give silent money In my box to that missionary endeavor I was thinking what what's happened since I've gotten older is my heart still growing in this area I saw the possibilities of what money could do when I was a small boy and I want to see the possibilities of what money can do as I get older but I find that it's a fight I find that it's easier to be conformed. If you study the average giving in the United States, again, we're the richest country in the world, friends. I've told you before about globalrichlist.com. I think some of you have used that website before. I did it again this week just to see where my average income puts me with the rest of the world. If you make 20000 or $25,000 a year, do you realize you're in the top 10% of the world? It's just an unbelievable thing that we live in. But anyway, so the average American, guess how much the average American gives to charity every year. Here here it is. Here's most statistics agree with this two to three percent. Now, guess how much the average Christian in the United States gives to charity? Look at this. Two to three percent. Have we been transformed the way Jesus wants to transform us? Some of us have. But what if all of us were? What if he got a hold of our hearts like that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And again, it's a privilege to do so because Jesus wants us to invite us into this adventure. So let me pray and we'll get started, okay? Now, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to learn about this together. And I thank, I thank you for the potential in this room if we'll take this to heart. And I pray that it'll advance your kingdom and glorify you and grow the size of our hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. Okay, so let me uh, invite you to read, when we get to verse 20, I'm gonna read verse 19, and I'll invite you to read from the two gray boxes, verse 20 and 21. Let's hear what Jesus says, and while you're listening to this, I want you to notice that he basically puts forth two ways to manage treasure. There's a worldly way and an eternal way, but let's look at this. Here we go, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, And where thieves break in and steal now would you read verse 20 with me but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal let's read verse 21 as well for where your treasure is there your heart will be also now notice investment plan number one he says i want you to think about this think this through i want to renew your mind Let's look at investment plan number one. He says, I don't recommend this one, but this is how you might want to do it if you're thinking like the world does. Here it is. Store or stack it up here on earth, if you're following along. Store or stack it up here on earth. The word there has this idea of stockpiling, even hoarding. In other words, see how much you can get. Way past your needs, just try and store it up. He says, okay, let's play that out. Let's just think about that. I don't recommend it, but do not do that because here's why. If you're following along, earthly treasures aren't bad. In other words, some people go, is Jesus against stuff? No. Is he against money? No. Earthly treasures aren't bad, but they won't last. But they won't last. They're vulnerable. He says, like, for instance, moths and rust and rats and mice, thieves, all that kind of stuff, you can actually lose it. And so just know that, just know that it's not secure, even if you think you've secured it every possible way. Um, In those days, uh, many people put their wealth into clothes. Some of us still do. And uh, in those days, again, Jesus, when he died, you may remember they cast lots for his clothes. How many did he have? He had one set of clothes. But most people, if they had any wealth, had several sets of clothes. And the more ornate their clothes were, everybody could tell they're rich. And so the problem was is that some of the best clothes were made of wool. And Jesus says, you know what happens to wool? Moths love wool. And then he said, some of you may put all of your wealth in grain and just know that rats and mice, they can eat that stuff. And you'll have some missing when you wake up the next morning. And then their houses were often built of clay or mud. And so he says thieves can actually break in and steel, not necessarily through the front door. The idea is basically eat their way through or you know, drill their way through. They could literally make a hole in the side of your house and get in. He's just saying, look, if you're putting all, your whole life into that, just know it won't last. When I was in high school, I bought a pair of designer jeans. It took off almost my entire uh, two-week salary from my grocery store job. And, I mean, they had braids on the side. I look like Antonio Banderas. (laughs) And I don't think I ended up wearing those for more than 20 times. I, I wonder where they are today. It didn't last. Or they go out of style. Or someone steals them. Or, or you die. And you get separated from your stuff randy alcorn says if you decide to live on investment plan number one every day you live you move farther away from your stuff not closer because you're getting ready to part with it one way or another the next thing he says though is that thinking this way isn't simply wrong it's foolish Thinking this way isn't simply wrong. A lot of people think Jesus is going, that's bad. That's bad. He's not just saying it's bad. He's saying, no, seriously. Even people in the world that don't believe in me get this. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's foolish. Where do I get this? If you look at Luke 12, he actually told a parable once when he was warning against being greedy about accumulating stuff. And again, think about this. Our world constantly is shouting to us, get it now, get as much as you can, do all you can to get stuff for yourself. So notice this. He said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? That's a good question, by the way. I have no place to store my crops. Stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. He was basically saying, your whole thing is to stockpile. You never factor God into it at all. All you think about is, how can I do all this stuff for myself without saying, what shall I do, Lord? And he said, God says, that's just plain foolishness. You basically put all your time, money, and energy into stuff that now you're parted from. Come on. So that's investment plan number one. And the only reason why it's important for us to hear this is because we live in a country now that's never been more materialistic and never tempted us to be more materialistic. And I don't know about you. I'm not talking about other people. I feel the hooks of this in my life every day. Amazon has made it easy. So what do we do? Jesus says, well, here's another alternative. Let me suggest this. Verse 20, investment plan number two, store up for yourself in heaven. Store up for yourself in heaven. Now, here's a couple of things I just noticed about this. When he talks about store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, two things. One, some people think that Jesus is only interested in getting something from us. Oh, he wants my money. By the way, Jesus doesn't need our money. He can do with our money a lot better than we can, but he doesn't need our money. He's rich. He wants something for us. So he says, store up for yourselves. In other words, I want you to have enlightened self-interest. And I want you to know that if you're thinking rightly, it's not wrong to want to accomplish something with money and possessions in life. It's where you put it that matters and how you think of it that matters. matters. And so he says, for yourselves, and some people go, oh, I can't believe Jesus would say that. He said it. And the reason he said it is because he knows that we have to have a stake in it as well, but that ultimately, if our treasures are true treasures, he's our greatest treasure. People become greater treasures than things. And also the possessions and opportunities that he offers are better than anything we could gain for ourselves if we're thinking of life without him. And so, notice this, is that the, the big idea of this, this is the treasure principle according to Randy Alcorn, okay? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Jesus is saying, this is the amazing thing. While you live here on earth, you can actually make decisions. You can have a renewed mind that says, if I take that same amount of money or that possession, I can literally turn it into something that will be waiting for me in heaven. this is an amazing thing, amazing thing. Uh, You you know this, don't you, that you can't take it with you, right? John D. Rockefeller, when he died, his accountant was asked by someone who was reporting on all this and said, how much did he leave? And the accountant said, he left it all. He left it all. They were expecting this huge dollar amount and this accountant called them up short because it's a reminder. That's why you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. We can't. We can make decisions differently, but we can't take it with us. And so, as we think about this, uh, let me just uh, say a couple things about this, okay? Jesus is, in a way, is saying this, and it's said throughout the New Testament and other places. Make deposits, if you're following along, make deposits in an account you can't lose. Make deposits in an account you can't lose. Did you know the Bible says that once you and I put our trust in Christ, that it not only opens up the possibility of having a home in heaven, Jesus prepares a place for us, but the Bible indicates that he actually keeps a running account of what we do here on earth in his name and that it becomes like a bank account in heaven. And you may say, well, where do you get that? Well, look at Philippians 4.17. I've listed some of these verses out to the right And here's what Paul says when he had received a gift for his ministry uh, when he was traveling and the Philippian church sent him a gift. And here's what he says. Look, I'm sending this letter to thank you. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Now that's a good shepherd right there. He cares more about what God wants to do in their lives than he cares about getting something from them. He has a long term view. He doesn't have myopia. And so he says, I wanted to be credited to your account. What you just did transferred money from Earth to heaven in your in your account. Powerful. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 12 33. He talks about how we actually do this. He says, sell your possessions. By the way, does it say all your possessions? No, in one situation, he told a guy that. But notice it says, sell your possessions. The early Christians did this, by the way. They would sell property or land or some of their possessions and then give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. This is Jesus talking straight to us. He's reasoning. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. And I could give you more verses on this, but here's what, again, a guy named A.W. Tozer said. I really, really appreciate when he wrote this. He says, As base a thing as money often is, it yet can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. It can be converted into food for the hungry and clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost people to the light of the gospel and thus be converted itself into heavenly values. Any Temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. Craig Blomberg says, in this context, storing up treasures focuses particularly on the compassionate use of material resources to meet others' physical and spiritual needs in keeping with the priorities of God's kingdom. And I think about how some of you have looked at your money and your possessions and thought like one of God's stewards and begun to say, what else could that money do? What else could those possessions do if I put them in the hands of Jesus? And so some of you have adopted children. Some of you have cared for foster people. Some of you have reached out to homeless people. Some of you have invested in mission endeavors in other parts of the world or right here in town. Some of you have invested when you see a brother or sister in this church family in need, and you've done it anonymously. The point is you've looked for ways to store up treasure in heaven and not on earth. And Jesus says, you'll never, ever be called a fool for doing that by God. So again, look at this. It says, if you're following along, whatever you give to Jesus increases in value. Whatever you give to Jesus increases in value. I could give you lots of stories about this. One of my all-time favorites, though, is listed there in John 6, up to the right. Jesus is standing before a huge crowd of people. We often say 5,000, but it was just 5,000 men. It didn't count women and children. So thousands of people and they lived hand to mouth in those days compared to how often we live with our freezers and refrigerators and so he sees this crowd and he says how am I going to feed these guys and a little boy steps forward with five loaves and two little sardine fish and he goes you can have this to feed those people Jesus people are all going well it's not going to go very far but it got in Jesus hands and it fed a multitude and the point is is will I put it in Jesus' hands or will I keep it in my own hands when he prompts me? And oh my goodness, what a difference this can make. So friends, God is not against us enjoying possessions. He's not against us enjoying and using money for our families and things like that. He's not against that. What he's saying is though, you can save and save and save, but after a while it starts become stockpiling. It's beyond what you need. And so at what point are you going to begin to have an eternal perspective, or are you going to continue to walk around like I do without glasses? Where all you think about is right here. Where all I think about is right here. He wants us to have an eternal perspective. Jonathan Edwards said, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. There's a man that used to be part of our church, and he moved away, and I was in conversation with him this week. And he says next to his computer he puts this little saying that says, what matters most in the end matters most now. And he does that every day. And in confidence, one day he told me that he and his wife, over a period of time, were prompted to give away 50% of their income. It's a growing thing. But they've started to realize at this time in their life, they realize that they can strategically transfer money from Earth to heaven and in the process bless and touch people in Jesus name in ways they never had before but all of it is because God began to renew their minds now is that what you should do is that what I should do that's not the question they simply asked what shall I do Lord and he began to show them and they wanted to put things in Jesus hands you and I can do this now notice the next thing We can do this no matter how little you have or how young you are. You can do this no matter how little you have or how young you are. That's what I love about the little boy's lunch. He didn't go, I'll wait till I get a lot of loaves and fishes. He just said, this is what I've got. What can I do with it? And by asking a different question, he saw different opportunities. And you and I can do the same. I was thinking this morning, there was a girl in our church, who she heard about how we were gonna try and help Fresh Visions Community Church finish their building, and or get started in building their building, and so for her birthday, she said, uh, I, "I get birthday gifts every year. Get some money. I'm gonna tell everybody in my family and my friends that might give me gifts. Would you please, instead of giving me gifts, would you please give that same amount of money to Fresh Visions Community Church?" I didn't know about this story. I didn't know that was going on. But one of our kids can teach us a lot of lessons. And Pastor Roy Newman wrote me a note and said, you're not going to believe what one of your parishioners did. And like one of my parishioners, like, oh my goodness, this girl's listening to Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? What a vision. She saw an opportunity, and she just simply made a change. Now, does that mean that you should never like getting birthday gifts and tell everybody from now on, I don't need birthday gifts? No. See, she just did what she could. But she didn't let a little stop her from doing something and so she didn't let age stop her so here's the idea i want you to see this morning give yourself first to the lord and then to others give yourself first to the lord and then to others i don't mean just one time by the way i mean this is an everyday thing give yourself first to the lord and then to others by the way if you reverse that if you say i'm going to give myself to others and then maybe the lord Sometimes people will disappoint you, and if they don't appreciate what you did or you don't get the response you expected, you can become resentful. But if you give it to the Lord, then even if they don't appreciate it, the Lord still got it. That's why this is beautiful. Now look at the Macedonian church Christians that we read about in 2 Corinthians 8. This is a powerful verse. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. This is, again, Europe. They, are being, they were being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Let me just tell you the context. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian believers. And he's saying, I want to tell you what the Macedonian Christians did so it may inspire you. They didn't have much. They were in a time of unbelievable suffering and poverty. But they found an opportunity for this offering that we've been collecting for the Jewish people, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem that are going through a famine. And they thought, well, they're going through a hard time too. We're going through a hard time. We gotta do something. We know what it feels like. It says, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. Have you noticed that when you give yourself first to the Lord, he can do anything. He can steer your heart. He can give you a piece, he can provide, he can do all kinds of things, but if you don't factor him in first, then you're gonna be trying to figure it out on your own and it'll be completely different spirit. What was so beautiful is these people said, Lord, help us, and they were able to give even beyond what they could afford in the days before credit cards. Wow, amazing. So how does that happen? Well, if we go on in 2 Corinthians eight, look at verse nine what we see here. It says, you know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. As Jesus reigned from heaven, with the heavenly father, and he looked down on earth and he saw all of us going astray and living for ourselves and grabbing for all we could and trying to do life on our own, he saw the consequences that were coming for us, eternal separation from God. And though he was rich, he laid aside his robes of glory and he became poor and he walked this earth in a way that we could die in our place so that by his death, emptying himself completely for us, including his blood, he could make us rich with eternal life and a whole new vision and purpose for our lives. And I don't know about you, I know I don't deserve that, but I will never get over the fact that he did that for me. That is amazing grace. And now when I think about Jesus being that way towards me, I want him to have control of my life. And I don't always let him have control of my life, friends. But when I do, it's amazing what he can do through me and through you. Amen? And so here's the idea. Our treasure management shows what our heart wants most. Our treasure management shows what our heart wants most. And so, uh, again, A.W., I mean, uh, Randy Alcorn says this. He says, by telling us that our hearts follow our treasure, Jesus is saying, show me your checkbook, your visa statement, and your receipts, and I'll show you where your heart is. As surely as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure. Money leads, hearts follow. I've heard people say, I want more of a heart for missions. I always respond, Jesus tells you exactly how to get it. Put your money into missions and in your church and in the poor, and your heart will follow. Do you wish you cared more about eternal things? Then reallocate some of your money, maybe most of your money from temporal things to eternal things and watch what happens to your heart because God wants our hearts. And so as we close, as he's been renewing our minds, let me just tell you a couple things that come to my mind this week that might be helpful. As Jesus renews our minds, he changes the questions that I ask. He changes the questions that you ask. Did you notice that when the rich farmer saw everything, he said, what shall I do? What shall I do? And it was only missing one word. What shall I do, Lord? And when you and I begin to get to that place where we really live into this stewardship, then God has so many plans for us that we can't imagine unless we're willing to step across the line of obedience. And so what shall I do? And so, uh, have I really given my heart to you is the rest of that. Questions I ask, have I really given my heart to you? I've thought about this so many times. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was baptized. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 15, when I was 17. The question is, am I giving the Lord my heart today? Every day, my mom taught me, my dad taught me, yield your heart to the Lord surrender it freshly does he have your heart because if he has your heart everything else will follow everything else will and so does he have my heart the questions I ask, for instance some people will say well I can't do what they did that's the wrong question what can't I do but the right question is what can I do and whatever your age is what however little or much you have can you imagine what would begin to change if you say what can I do Lord What shall I do, Lord? Show me. That's changed everything for many people. Um, One more, where home is. Am I living for here or there? Am I living for here or there? I told you before at the beginning, sometimes I live like this is the only thing that's real. I live as if this world is my home instead of I'm just a passing through. You know, don't you, that you're going to spend a whole lot longer in eternity than you do here, right? So when you and I begin to realize that if we've trusted in Christ, that is where we're going to spend the most amount of time. That's where our home is. And our home is there because that's where he is. And that's where his people are. Wow. So there was a missionary who was coming home in the early 1900s, and he was on a ship after serving the Lord for 40 years as a missionary. And he had sacrificed and given in lots of ways. He had transferred in many ways his earthly treasure to heavenly treasure. But as he got into the harbor, Teddy Roosevelt, the president, was also on the same ship and he was being greeted by mobs and crowds of people and not one person was there to welcome this man home, this missionary. As he's walking away from the big crowds, he found himself feeling resentment And he kind of just voiced that to the Lord. And he said, the Holy Spirit seemed to whisper to him as he was walking away from that harbor, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And the truth is we're not home yet, but we can do something about sending on ahead. And for those that give it to Jesus, whatever we give, even the smallest thing can become eternal. And I find that to be exciting. And I wanna close by just saying two things. One, what a church you are. What a church you are. I have watched many of you practice generosity and step into courageous steps like this, and I don't know half of it. But I go to banquets for fundraisings for the different ministries and missions that we have, and I see a lot of you there. And I'm not going rah-rah Cherry Hills because I see other Christians from other churches and I celebrate God's work in every believer, don't you? But I just want to tell you, I've watched you guys grow in this. And you've inspired me to want to be like that. And then the last thought is this. I thought about how can I practice this this week? Because this all seems so out there. So let me just make it as practical as I can. This week I was reading through the New Testament, you know, like we talked about in that first Sunday of the series. And Matthew 25, I came to this week. Matthew 25, after the parable of the talents, comes the parable of the sheep and the goats. Man, I had read that many times before, but I never noticed a certain word. Jesus talks about how, however you treat the least of these, you do it to me. The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned. And he names those groups, and but I'd never noticed is when he said, when, the, when his believers say, "Lord, when do we do that?" He said, "Every time you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me." I always used to hear it. Every time you do it to the least of these, i never heard to one. And all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me that over the years, when I try and write people that I really appreciate, I often think I have to write a big, long letter. And I notice that I try and wait till I can write that big, long letter, and then I never write that big, long letter. If I had just decided to write a short letter, even of two or three sentences, I would have gotten a lot of those notes written, but I waited. And the Lord showed me, change your expectation. Just write something short. Do something. And do something. And what I think God's saying to every one of us is this week, what's one way? One person you can touch in Jesus' name that will store up treasure in heaven that you will never lose and you'll never regret and will not be wasted. Because if each of us do that as we walk out of here, what could God possibly do? Amen. Let's pray. Now, God, as we get ready to take communion, thanks for inviting us to your table. Thank you for making us your treasure Help us to treasure you so that we would be most interested in treasure in heaven with you rather than treasure here. Change our value system, renew our minds. Help us to both enjoy and also give away how to share and also appreciate what you've given us. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.